You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. God said to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. And for the rest of Paul's life, he had to deal with that thorn in the flesh. He had to deal with that physical infirmity. And listen, you could have prayed for Paul all you wanted to, and Paul could have continued to pray, uh, but it wouldn't do any good. In, In terms of seeing the thorn removed, because God's will was, the thorn has a divine purpose. And so it doesn't matter how many people prayed, doesn't matter how many people fasted for Paul, God's not gonna heal him because it was not God's will to heal him. So we want to find out, God, what's your will? Do you sometimes feel like the Apostle Paul in that you have a thorn in your flesh? In today's message from Pastor Danny, he encourages you that sometimes it's God's will for you to have that thorn. God strengthened the Apostle Paul, and he'll strengthen you. God tells us that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Pastor Danny urges you to keep up the faith. Know that God is for you and has good in store. He's not going to keep a thorn around for nothing. Trust that you're in his hands. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of James chapter 5 with today's edition of The Living Word. The healing here, the prayer of faith, the person who's sick, powerless without strength. The passage intends for them to take initiative to call for the elders of the church. And again, the idea is this is something serious. That's why I don't practice anointing with oil for headaches. Now, don't misunderstand. Will I pray for you if you have a headache? Absolutely. Do I want you to have a headache? Depends on how you treated me recently, you know? (laughs) Uh, we don't practice anointing with oil for toothaches. Will we pray for you with a toothache? Absolutely. And then I'll also say, if God doesn't heal it, go to the dentist. Okay? Here's what we know as we put other scriptures with this text before us today. First thing we know, here it is. The Bible does not teach that it's God's will for all Christians to be healed in this life. The Bible does not teach that. Job. Repeatedly there in Job 1 and 2, not only does it say that Job was blameless and upright, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless and upright. And yet God allowed Satan to afflict him physically. Terrible physical affliction. But it wasn't a direct result of Job's sin, and not all sickness is a direct result of sin. So the Bible doesn't teach that God wants every Christian to be healed in this life. The Bible also teaches that not all sickness is a direct result of sin. John chapter 9, you might be familiar with this one. Man is born blind. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? So they had this mentality in that religious environment. 
There was this belief, generally speaking, that if you're born blind, if you're dealing with this kind of infirmity, either you sin. Now, if the guy sinned, he must have did it and done it in his mother's womb. Or if he didn't sin, his parents sinned, and that's why he ended up like this. That was what they believed. And so Jesus says to his disciples, he didn't sin, nor his parents. Now, all sickness is ultimately a result of sin. If there was no sin, there'd be no sickness and there'd be no death. But there's some sickness like this man born blind that's not a direct result of his personal sin. And that's what Jesus said. No, this is so that God might be glorified. And of course, when Jesus healed him, God was glorified. Now, you flip that coin around. Here's the next one. Some sickness is a direct result of sin. I can't think of a, a better verse than 1 Corinthians 11.30. Paul said, some of you Christians in the Corinthian church are weak and sick, and some have fallen asleep. Some have actually died. And the idea is they died because of sin that was not dealt with in their lives. They were weak because of sin, not dealt with in their lives. They were physically sick. If you have a physical infirmity and you are a Christian, if you know there's sin in your life, I'm not talking about just a bump in the road. I'm talking about habitual sin and you know there's habitual sin in your life and you're dealing with a physical infirmity, you ought to consider that if you really get right with God, he might want to heal you. Because that physical infirmity is actually a loving thing. It's like God spanking us. It's like he's taking us to the woodshed. And that's what 1 Corinthians 11.30 in the context goes on to say. If we judged ourselves, we wouldn't be judged by the Lord. As it is, we're being judged, disciplined, so that we won't be condemned with the world. In other words, God's spanking us, trying to correct us, something that's wrong. But if we're not willing to respond correctly to the spanking, God might want to heal somebody. If they just get right the sin in their lives. Well, here's another thought. The healing referred to in James 5 is dependent upon the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Now, don't be confused on these subpoints here, but first of all, faith is a gift. Scripture bears that out. Faith is a gift. Uh, we wouldn't have the privilege to have faith if God didn't enable us to have faith. Now, that's a bit mysterious, but that's what the Bible teaches. Now, not to be confusing, but secondly, faith is a choice. Jesus in his own hometown of Nazareth, and it says that he could not do any mighty miracles there, only lay his hands on a few sick people, then they were healed. He could not do any mighty miracles there because of their lack of faith. And it says that he was amazed at their lack of faith. But a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. He was amazed. Jesus would have done mighty miracles in his own hometown of Nazareth, but they refused to believe. They refused to respond to what God wanted to do, but he couldn't do because they made a choice not to believe. But third, healing faith, James 5, must be in agreement with the will of God. You can't get any more clear than 1 John chapter 5. Let me read it. Verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, will he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. 
I'm going to clue you in on something. A big part of prayer is seeking to discover what the will of God is. That's a big part of prayer. Prayer is not just getting things from God. Prayer is finding out what is it that God's will, what does God want? What does he want to do? I'll give you a great example. Jesus, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Who wouldn't pray that, including Jesus himself? Is there any other way, Lord, but not my will, yours be done? And we know the Father's will was for Jesus to go to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross, humanly speaking. He wanted some other way to secure the salvation of all humanity. But there was no other way. And so there's no more need to pray about that. Paul the Apostle. Here's a guy who did extraordinary miracles. I'm just looking for ordinary miracles. My goodness. God allowed him to do extraordinary miracles. He saw people healed. Mirac- I mean, all kind of miraculous things. One guy he killed by preaching too long. Remember Eutychus. He was up there in the fourth story there and the, the candles in the room. And Paul went on and on and on and on and on. You go, I know what that's like. I listen to you. No, but he died. all night he talked, and Eutychus fell asleep, fell out of the window he was sitting up in, and he, he was dead. Paul went and prayed for him. God raised him from the dead. He killed him and then used prayer to resurrect him. <laughs> all I've done for a lot of you is just giving you a lot of good naps over the years. <laughs> Paul the apostle, here's a guy who God used mightily to see others healed and miraculous things happen, and yet a thorn in the flesh from Satan, and Paul prayed, not just once, he prayed three times, and the third time God answered him, and God said, no, I'm going to keep you humble, and Paul would say, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these great revelations God has given me. God said to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. And for the rest of Paul's life, he had to deal with that thorn in the flesh. He had to deal with that physical infirmity. And listen, you could have prayed for Paul all you wanted to, and Paul could have continued to pray, uh, but it wouldn't do any good. In, In terms of seeing the thorn removed, because God's will was, the thorn has a divine purpose. And so it doesn't matter how many people prayed. doesn't matter how many people fasted for Paul. God's not going to heal him because it was not God's will to heal him. So we want to find out, God, what's your will? What's your will? Here's another thought. Unconfessed sin would prevent the person's healing. And I've already mentioned unconfessed sin. And sometimes I believe there'd be more healing if there weren't so much hidden, unconfessed sin. And here's one last thought in the passage, right in the passage. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. That's so encouraging to me. I've never had anything like the ministry of Elijah in terms of the miracles. Nevertheless, I have the privilege, and so do you as a Christian. You don't have to, be, you don't have, to have a special calling on your life. You don't have to have some big miraculous ministry. John the Baptist never performed one miracle, but I'll tell you what, that guy knew how to get a hold of God. He was filled with the spirit from birth. That's what the Bible says. That guy had a connection with God. He got through, but he never performed one miracle because that wasn't God's call for his life. But you can have, I can have, every one of us can have a powerful and effective ministry 
prayer ministry. Now, before I close with some very practical suggestions, let's just go through some thoughts. And this is what we've been through. Here's some, some things to consider. First of all, how do I react in varying circumstances of, of life? And what we want to mature to the point of is that no matter what I'm going through, if I'm in trouble, pray. If I'm merry and in good spirits, I want to make sure I give God praise. If I'm without strength and powerless, and it's a crisis situation, before I call the doctor, I should call the elders of the church. That's what it says. Call for the elders of the church. Let them come. Anoint you with oil and pray. And if it's God's will, the prayer of faith will heal them. And if they've sinned, and the idea is they've sinned, they need to confess it, and God's ready and willing to forgive them. And the implication is it might be that the sin is what caused their affliction. Okay? Second, am I as relational as I should be with the body of Christ, the church? Some of us really need to consider that. Now, it's going to take your effort. If you want to be relational, there are plenty of opportunities to be relational. You can find a way to be relational, but you have to be willing to do it. Number three, is my sickness or weakness related to sin in my life? And then number four, are my prayers powerful and effective? Now, let me get personal on this. I still wonder why we don't see more miraculous healings in our fellowship. I sometimes wonder. And I sometimes, I sometimes wonder personally if my own prayer life is really powerful and effective. And, and for some, some of the reason is I, because we don't see more miracles. Now, we've seen some miracles. Guy came up to me right after first service. I've known him for years. And he said, you, you may not see many, but you've seen one. Now, I've seen more than one, but we prayed for him and anointed him a few years ago, and he went back to the doctor, and what they saw is gone. I mean, it's gone. It came back. We anointed him again recently, and he went back to the doctor, and they're just like baffled. They're like, we can't explain it. And he's like, well, I can explain it. He says, the elders of the church prayed for me, and God healed me. And we've seen that kind of thing. Praise. But some, sometimes I wonder why we don't see it more. Sometimes I wonder why I don't see it more when I lay hands or anoint somebody. I want to see it more. And sometimes I'm challenged if my prayers are really being effective. Let me give you some very, very practical suggestions. And here's the first one. Set aside time every day to pray. Some people have said to me sincerely, well, I just pray as I go through the day. There's nothing at all wrong with that. I recommend it. Nevertheless, Jesus is our example, and while we have the privilege of going throughout the day in a prayer attitude and praying, Jesus, Luke 5, when the news about him spread and his ministry grew so fast and so big, it says, yet Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. He set aside time. I suggest making mourning first and foremost. Because I want to go into the day prayed up. Second suggestion, don't always close your eyes when you pray. Uh, where do we get this? We always got to close our eyes. Uh, Jesus didn't always close his eyes. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus. It says he looked up to heaven and he prayed. He was talking to his father, but he prayed. 
We close our eyes. Somebody started that because it, it helps us to focus, to focus. But there's nothing else spiritual about closing your eyes. Do you understand that? If you're tired and you start to get drowsy and your eyes are closed, open your eyes. I highly recommend if you're operating a motor vehicle, keep your eyes open. Third suggestion, take prayer walks. This is one of the most practical things for me because it helps me be alert. I'm walking. I'm walking, but I'm praying. I'm pray Jesus would go up into a mountain. He would go walk. He would go walk, and he said he went up there to pray. And I bet he didn't start praying after he got on the mountain. Take prayer walks. And if you can bike and pray, that's fine. Fine. It's just I, I got to think a whole lot less when I'm just walking. When I'm biking, I want to think about the cars and whoever, you know. Here's another suggestion. Try journaling. What is that? These are over six years. And I don't say this. To, I'm, I'm just using this as an example, personal example. These are notebooks of six, over six years of my journaling. I'm not the kind of guy to journal. I'm just not made up that way. Some of you are going, what is journaling? This notebook contains the first couple of years of my journaling. And my first one is recorded the date 3891. Some of you weren't even born then. And it didn't start in the morning with my morning devotions. It started as I was, if I remember right, leaving Piedmont Airlines where I worked at Tampa Airport and driving to my office, Calvary Chapel office at the time, was in Seminole, on Seminole Boulevard. And here's what I wrote down. Around noon while driving to Seminole, I was meditating on John 17, 3, thinking of if heaven was only being in the presence of God, no streets of gold, etc., just God, would that be a letdown? Then God spoke very clearly to me, and he said, I am more glorious than my creation. I remember it. I get Jesus bumps every time I read this. I'm more glorious than my creation. I wrote down, praise God, exclamation point. I began to think of all the great things I've seen and done around the world, mountains, scuba diving, great sunsets, etc. None of these compare with God himself. Amen, exclamation point. That was a simple, that was simple, simple but very meaningful. Now, let me give you almost two years later, because I went from early to last, most recent. This one, and I actually found this neon thing, and I had it up next to my desk. And it says, when praying for others, pray Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. And that's when I started praying Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. This is how it developed. I started that every morning, and I still make it a practice when I journal. And now they're all on the computer. I don't put them in notebooks anymore. They're just in the computer. But I'd start out, thank you, and I'd begin thanking the Lord, thanking the Lord. And I got that from Psalm, the psalm that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. The gates are when you're on the way. And his courts with praise. So by the time you get into his presence, you got your heart and your mind in the right place. And I thank him. And this one was almost two pages of thankfulness. And then I began to pray, and I'd list specific prayers. I prayed for my brother Dwight, who was going through a very difficult time. I prayed specifically. I prayed for my wife, Wendy, and I only had one child at the time. Tanner was just a little tot. 
I said, give him the fullness of the Holy Spirit, protect him from the evil one, guide him in the paths of righteousness, wisdom, and understanding. I prayed for my brother Jimmy. He was going through a tough time. I prayed for my brother Eric specifically. I prayed for my stepfather. I prayed for his new wife because my mother had just recently gone home to be with the Lord. He not long after remarried. I prayed for them. I prayed for Calvary Chapel. I prayed specifically for the payoff of the building we were in at the time, which we ended up paying off, for new facilities that we needed desperately, for wisdom and direction, plans for kinships. That was our small groups. We call them life groups now. New elders and deacons for them to be confirmed. I prayed, and I, there's a whole list. I prayed for our Congress, our Senate, our House President, our President-elect. I prayed for peace in Jerusalem. And there's a whole list of specific prayers in here. You know what it helped me do? It helped me to focus. You know what I've just begun doing? And I'm going to take some time off in July very soon. And during July, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read through all my journals. Here's the point. I'm not a journaling type of guy, but it helped me in my prayer life. And it helps me today, helped me to focus. But here's what else it did. And just from reading these few over the last couple of days, me feeling like, Lord, I'm not sure my prayer is powerful and effective. Am I really getting through? Are you really hearing me? Are you really answering? And I go back, and even just the first few pages, I look at things I prayed for my kids, and God answered them specifically in his time. I prayed for things for my wife, and God answered specifically. I prayed for things for this church, personal things, individuals, and ministry things, and God answered. I'm so encouraged to be able to look back and go, he really is hearing me. My prayer life is powerful and making a difference. I don't think my children would be who they are today if I hadn't prayed for them regularly, 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 regularly. I don't think my relationship with my wife, I don't think this church, listen, it's such a privilege for every one of us. I'm nobody special because I'm a pastor. That's just my calling. But if you're a Christian, you got the same Holy Spirit in you. You got the same Messiah I do. You got the same privileges I do. Same ones Elijah had. He, he, he just like us. And he prayed. And God heard. Well, let me give you a couple more and then we're going to close. Pray scripture as often as you can. Pray scripture. I found that over the years, I've grown in that. I pray scripture for people. I look at other prayers that Paul prayed and others like him, and I, I try to pray those prayers. Here's another one. Join a small group. Get involved in a ministry. Here's another one. Develop close relationships with godly Christians, and doing the one above that is how that's going to happen. And here's another one. Don't keep sin hidden. Proverbs 28, 13, he who conceals his sin, does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's what you want. Hey, have you got unconfessed sin? Well, let's finish it out. Ask for prayer. Paul the apostle did. The writer of the Hebrews closed out and he said, pray for us. Paul would say things specifically for them to pray for. Pray that God would open a door for our message. Hey, if you're not praying for me and you call Calvary Chapel St. Pete your home church, I'm asking you pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for the pastors and the elders here. And then last but not least, 
pray for others. What a privilege to be able to pray for people and know that your prayers are making a difference. Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny's been teaching through a series in the book of James. How do you know if a tree that's supposed to bear fruit is alive? Well, that's simple. You see it producing fruit each year and doing what God intended for it to do. The story is the same for you. How do you know if your faith is real, genuine? This will be known by all the spiritual fruit that you produce in your life. So is there life happening in your heart or has that seed just been planted? The book of James calls you to take your faith and let that seed grow and become something beautiful that overflows with fragrance and sweetness, clearly coming from God living in you. Keep tuning into this series and learning the truth that's revealed in God's Word. Would you also be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're constantly in need of His guidance, so please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thank you so much for praying about this. Also, do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Just go to ccfstpete.church to get more info. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again for Pastor Danny's next message right here on The Living Word.